It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. But first, pop quiz hotshot. <laughs> which one of us is which? I am the non-believing sort of Jew. And I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Christian. I'm now an atheist. I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible, the NIV. I am reading the Oxford NRSV New Revised Standard Version. And just as a reminder to everybody, in case you're new to the show, welcome, of course. Have a seat on the Bibble Couch. The Bibble Couch? Mm -hmm. We'll get you a cold glass of Bibble juice <laughs> and just settle down. Uh, but before you sip that juice, know that this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. Yeah. And there may be material within that is uh, not appropriate for children. And maybe offensive to all human beings. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's some offensive shit in the Bible. This one, I think, isn't too bad. Um, what, would you, what rating would you give it? I mean, it's still probably, like, rated R for violence. Oh, but... you think so? I think PG-13 these days. Okay, well, fair. PG-13. Um, so we're talking about this book. Which book are we reading? We're reading First Samuel. Samuel 1. 1 Samuel, mm -hmm. as Donald Trump would call it. Well, if, they, if they want it called... Here's my question. Okay. They want it called First Samuel. Why isn't it written first Samuel? Why is it written one Samuel or I Samuel? Although that would require a comma. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's just how it's always been done. So why get pissed at somebody if they get it wrong when it's not written that way? Because they're pretending to be a Christian, and if you had ever gone to church, you would know that it wasn't pronounced that way. Fair enough. I guess. I mean, I'm not trying to like go to bat for the guy. I'm yeah. Just why saying. are you defending Donald Trump? <laughs> first of all, he tells it like it is. <laughs> Second of all, he's a Great handsome hair. man. <laughs> No, I'm just saying that as someone who never read the Bible or anything, how the hell would you know? Yeah, but he was saying it in the context to prove that he'd read the yeah, Bible. Yeah, I understand. I understand. He's great and everything. I'm talking about me here. Oh, okay. No, you're fine. You're off the hook. Yes. You're also not running for president yet that I know of. Unless. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Okay. Off air. <laughs> the last thing my presidential campaign needs is more publicity, of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, so... Should we just dive right into this? I think so. I think so. So All right. where are the Israelites at? Because they're still following the Israelites. Yep. Uh, and they're still in the promised land, but still continuously fighting with the various groups that already live there. Sometimes uh -huh. they're gaining ground. Sometimes they're losing ground. Anyway, so that's the scenario into which we are thrust at the beginning yes. of First Samuel. Yes. And so we start with a woman who can't get pregnant, mm -hmm. like... About half of the women that we've encountered so far yes. in the Bible. This is a little vignette I like to call uh, Hannah and her sister wives. 
I don't completely get that reference, but that's cool. It's a famous film. I know. So she can't get pregnant. And so she like makes a deal with God that if she does get pregnant, then she'll set the child apart for God. Mm -hmm. He'll be a Nazarite just like Samson. Does yours use the word Nazarite? It does. Mine does not. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that was obviously the parallel that I drew. And these are Levites, right, of the priestly class. Mm -hmm. So she does get pregnant. Mm -hmm. She has a son and she turns him over to the high priest Eli when he's three years old. The son is Samuel. So Eli is the head priest. Yes. Um, but his sons suck real bad. Yeah. it's That's one of the themes of this book is that like as soon as somebody gets into power, they immediately start their journey towards complacency yeah. and, and evil. And um, so his sons are always eating meat that's supposed to be sacrificed to God. And... Yeah. They're stealing the best cuts from the from the sacrifice before it's given to the church rather than after, I think is how it Something works. Something like that. And they're like sleeping with the female temple employees. Mm -hmm. So God is pissed with Eli and his whole family. Um, so then we have young Samuel, little kid Samuel. He's um, lying down to go to sleep in the temple mm -hmm. when he hears a voice he calls out his to name. Him. What does that sound like? Samuel. <laughs> Right? That's perfect. And so little Samuel wakes up and he goes running to Eli and he's like, you called me? Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Goes back to sleep. And he hears it again. Samuel. <laughs> getting better. Getting better. It, Samuel, sounds, it sounds more divine every time I say uh, it. Little Sammy runs to Eli again and Eli says, I didn't call you. I didn't call you. Um, so then he goes back to bed. Hears the voice a third time. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Samuel. <laughs> Delete that. Never. <laughs> Edit that out. That's a new theme song. Okay, great. <laughs> so, he, um, so he goes to Eli a third time, and then Eli realizes that it must be God. So he tells Samuel to say, okay, when you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And he hears the call again. Uh, you don't have to do it this time. Okay, thanks. Everybody knows how perfect it was that last time. Yeah, I had nailed it. And Samuel says the magic words. Um, he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And he and God have a nice little convo. And yep. God basically explains, hey, the church is fucking up right now. You're the new man. Yeah, he like drags Eli pretty hard. <laughs> it's like... Well, Eli's not a bad guy, but the, basically the, Eli's a good holy guy, but he's he's blind to the sins of his sons. Yeah, he's not he's not keeping his sons in check. Right. Yeah, so then Samuel grows up to be a prophet. Mm -hmm. um, uh, God lets none of his words fall to the ground, meaning everything that he says comes true that's a cool way of putting that so the main antagonist for this this whole book are the philistines pretty much mm -hmm. um, well sort of yeah yeah i mean they're always antagonists but some other main antagonists may come and go we'll see true uh, no, uh, no spoilers true but the the through line here is a is a conflict between israel and its neighbors including the philistines yes who i affectionately refer to as the phillies oh the phillies mm -hmm. did you know that their mascot was like the first big sports mascot that was like like that. No, I didn't know and that. And it was made like, by a like that by a what puppeteer. Do you, mean by that? you know, like that was a foamy. Yeah, uh. that was like a a weird little furry suit uh. with like a dude inside that was like wacky. What is he? The Philly Phil or something? He's Philly the Phil fanatic. Philly fanatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a ph, mm -hmm. and he's made by a muppeteer. Oh, cool. And I'm assuming. That he's also the mascot for the Philistine army, but I don't know. Uh. 
They don't mention it specifically in here, so we have to use inductive reasoning. To... <laughs> inductive reasoning. <laughs> or fake ductive reasoning. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're fighting the Philistines, and they have this one battle where the soldiers send for the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, very strange, this. Now, if you haven't listened to our earlier episodes and you've never read the Bible, you might not know what the Ark of the Covenant is. It's a thing from Indiana Jones. It's a thing from Indiana Jones. This is a total ripoff <laughs> of Steven Spielberg. And um, it's basically just like a holy box. Yes, that's got Moses' copy of the Torah and the Ten Commandments in it. It's just like the most holy object. Mm -hmm. So um, they're hoping that this this bringing the ark into this battle will turn the tide in their favor. Mm -hmm. um, and when the Philistines see the ark, they freak out. Yeah, they're like God is with the Israelites. Yeah, they say well, they say a God ah. is with the Israelites, and plan totally backfires. The ark doesn't do shit, <laughs> and the Philistines. Kill 30,000 Israelites and also steal the ark. <laughs> they steal the ark and they kill Eli's sons. Um, and then Eli, when he hears that his sons have died in battle and that the ark got stolen, he falls out of his chair, breaks his neck and dies. Yeah. That's a sad way to go. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a sad episode all around. So the ark is now in the hands of the dreaded Phillies. Yes. And they take it on a, like a little mini tour of their country. But first it, first they take it to the head temple. Which is in an, uh, a city called Ashdod. Ashdod. And in Ashdod, they put it in the temple of Dagon, their god. Yeah, which is an amazing name for like a fake god. <laughs> like it sounds villainous, like Dagon. I think, and don't quote me on this, but Dagon may have resurfaced in some Cthulian literature. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about that. Um, anyway, so they, God gets stuck in a cell with Dagon here in the, yeah. in the temple. Basically. And I really like how they, they like refer, like this Bible, the mm -hmm. Bible written by the Israelites, mm -hmm. refers to Dagon or Dagon as if it's just like a dude. Like yeah. they're talking about a statue of a God that they don't believe in, mm -hmm. but they refer to him, like they use the word him. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, they set the ark next to Dagon, not like a statue of Dagon, just they set it next to Dagon. Right. And next day they found Dagon on the ground. Pushed over. So they put him back. The next day they find him on the ground and his hands and head are broken off. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, I didn't read closely enough on my first read through. And I was like, that's weird to describe somebody's like hands and head as being broken off. It's like, because I didn't, I, on my first like just skim of it, uh -huh. I thought it was a person because they were referring to it like that. So God and Dagon are like pranking each other because they're stuck in the same cell. Well, it's more like God is. Yeah, God's pranking Dagon. Yeah. Um, Poor Dagon. It's like, <laughs> first he doesn't exist, now this. Yeah, that's true. But because of the fact that the Philistines, aka the Phillies, are holding God sort of uh, hostage, sort of, not really, they're just holding the Ark, which I found this a little confusing being like, they don't have God over there. Like, right. But they have like his holiest object. Mm, God is pissed and he un starts to unleash some plagues. Yeah. Upon starts the throwing uh, tumors and rats at him. That's right. So first Ashdod breaks out in a rash of tumors <laughs> and then they move it to the next city. There are five big Philistine cities. Mm -hmm. um, and then that one gets starts to get plagued mm -hmm. as well as soon as they get the ark. And then they move it along the line until eventually they're just like, we got to get 
the fuck rid of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, way more trouble than it's worth having somebody else's holy relic intact. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting is, so they call like their, their Philistine priests and diviners. Mm-hmm. And even though they're not Israelites, they have this basic knowledge of like the required protocol for getting right with God. That's right. That's right. They have to consult like their technical experts. In the yeah. They're like, hey, we're in a mess here. What do we got to do? Yeah. And like we got to figure out a guilt offering, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so what they end up doing is they create five golden rats and five golden tumors. Beautiful. What does a golden tumor look I like? I think you know exactly what it looks okay. like. <laughs> Listeners, you can't see, but she knows exactly what it looks like. <laughs> so they put the ark and all the golden tumors uh-huh. and rats <laughs> sure. into a cart. Five, five tumors and five rats, mm-hmm. one for each city. One for each city. They put them in a cart that's like being carried by these sacrificial cows. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just like let the cart go. Mm-hmm. And the cows bring it straight to Israelite territory. Yes, across the border to a little town. And so that's how they like know for sure that it's divine. So this brings up what is to me an interesting question. Which is like the Philistines are polytheists, mm-hmm. um, but they have this very interesting reaction where like they have no trouble recognizing the Israelite God mm-hmm. as a God. Right. Like they're they're very sure that this is God. He's just not on their side. Mm-hmm. They don't. It doesn't occur to them like, oh, well, then we should start worshiping this God. Right. It's just like. Although that display with the plagues and everything would be pretty convincing. Yeah, I mean, especially because Dagon got totally shat on by the yeah, <laughs> Israelite but like, God. But it doesn't occur to them to do that. It's just like <clears throat> this is um, obviously a magical divine force, and it's against us, mm-hmm. and that's just like that's accepted. one of the things you just got to struggle with. Yeah, and then also the Israelites at this point still clearly have some belief in polytheism because you know every time God turns back for five seconds, they're worshiping Baal and mm-hmm. Ashtaroth and whatever. So. I don't know. It's like from from our modern point of view, like in America, at least. And I mean, OK, if most of the world is like Christian and Muslim, then, mm-hmm. you know, from most of the world's perspective, like monotheism in this day and age is like a given. Right. So even though I don't believe in any gods, I'm like reading this and I'm like, OK, obviously there's only one God, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, that's because we just know how the story ends already. Right. So but back then it wasn't settled. You know? Yeah, it was. It's It's just such an interesting like. There's just all this magical shit going on that you don't understand. There's weather, there's crops, there's Mm -hmm. crazy emotions and you don't understand them. And you're just trying to hook up with the one that's going to help you out the most. That's right. So from our modern perspective, where we know that monotheism pretty much it hasn't won per se, but it is a it is a relatively dominant force in world religion. It's weird to think of monotheists. Like having, like acknowledging the existence of other gods yeah. and that they might have power, but just like it being a, an issue of who you should, which, which, yeah. which you should worship. Like for for people, at least in the West nowadays, the conflict is between believing in one god and believing in zero gods. Right. And like for them. Or it the was, many ways of believing in one god. And for them, it was the conflict between believing in. Well, like this guy, I don't know. He seems to like give them pretty good crops, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then all the towns where they put up the pole to Ashtaroth and have the little Baal statue. And they're like, hey, hedge our bets. Let's worship both. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, they were like siblings, Baal and Ashtaroth. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that they were part of the same tradition. Yeah. And Ashtaroth is like, that's the same as Ishtar. 
Oh, okay. In like Sumerian or Mesopotamian sure. or whatever. Yeah. It's just interesting that maybe like all of those gods didn't have, you know, they weren't exclusive with their worshipers, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, the Israelites are like exclusive. Yeah. That's an exclusive relationship. So it's weird that that's like happening for the first time. True. And that we right. just take it as a given from where we are. Totally. So anyway, <laughs> 20 years pass. During which time Samuel is like rebuilding the credibility of the of the faith and of the priesthood. Yeah. Because he's in charge now of the priestly class. And he's kind of in charge of the whole country. Sort of, yeah. He's not a king, but... He's a judge. And he's, yeah, and so he's like the de facto leader. Right. Um, and now that he's got the Ark back, he can like unify the faith again and, and get everything going. And of course, whenever anything is going well, you got to have a battle against somebody to prove that God is on your side. It's this strange push and pull between like justifying historical ebb and flow, if you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, he won that battle, so God Therefore, must have been on God his side. God must have been on his side, yeah. And yeah, Samuel leads a big rout of the, of the Phillies again. Uh, God, they're never going to make it to the World Series. Not at this rate, no. And spoiler alert, they're not around anymore. <laughs> um, so Samuel, as we all do, ages. Um, <laughs> he has sons as well. And guess what? They suck. They suck. They're just like Eli's sons. It's like even this early in in recorded writing, like rich people, powerful people having kids that grow up with privilege. That's true. <laughs> Are just shit. That's true. It's like Colin Hanks. No, the other one. Colin Hanks is great. Oh, oh thinking, it's like Chester Hanks or something. I think it's Chet Hayes. Ch- Chet Hayes. That's yeah. that's the Hank. He's a Hanks child, right? I know. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, Colin Hanks is a great actor. Oh, you're right. And it seems okay. like a decent decent human being. Although okay. I don't know him personally. Look, I'm sorry. No offense to Colin. He's also a big podcast fan. Is he? Yeah. Well, hopefully he won't listen to this one and hear us confusing him with his shitty brother. <laughs> who he probably needs to steal his birthright from him for a bowl of pottage or whatever. Anyway, where are we? So Samuel's sons are not great. Yeah. So the people go to Samuel. Yeah. And they say, Samuel, we want a king. We want to be like every other nation. Um, All the cool kids have a king. That's right. Every other nation around us has a king. We think it would be best for us to have a king. And Samuel's like, that's a terrible idea. He's like, a king was just going to tax your shit. Yeah. He's like, right now... We have a priestly class that sort of runs things. This is the way God wants it. Do you really want a king? And they're like, hell yeah. And they're like, I listened to all of your explanations and we still want a king. Yeah. <laughs> and so Samuel explains this to God and God is basically like, look, hey, you got to make, you got to let them make their own mistakes. <laughs> yeah, kind of. So you and I both know that this is not the right thing, but if they want a king, we'll send them a king. Smash cut two. There's a young man. A young, very tall man. Attractive man. Named Saul. Named Saul. He's out looking for some lost donkeys, as one is wont to do uh, when your father loses his donkeys. So Saul is looking up. He's looking up the promised land. He's looking down the promised land, trying to find those lost donkeys. And he's a uh, he's a Benjamite, mm-hmm. um, which you might remember is the tribe descended from the Jacob's youngest tribe. son Benjamin that almost got wiped out due to their treachery mm-hmm. in the Book of Judges, but were saved at the last minute via systematic kidnapping and rape. Yes. And he's from Gibeah, which you may remember from the Gibeonite Deception, my favorite Dan Brown book. <laughs> so young Saul is out looking for lost donkeys. Um, it's him and his servant. And they have no idea where the fuck these donkeys went. And um, they're like, okay, let's call in the big guns and the ask first, a prophet. Yeah, the first 48 hours are the most important. Yeah. You're never going to catch the donkey after then. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so they bring their cute 
little quarter shekel donation over to Samuel. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and before they get there, God talks to Samuel. And he's like, hey, by the way, tomorrow I'm sending you a new king. Um, you'll recognize him. He's very handsome and very tall. He's Saul the Tall. He's a head taller than everyone else it says. It mm-hmm. says this multiple times. It does. He, and that he's very handsome. Yeah. Um, so they get to uh, they get to Samuel and Samuel's like, don't even worry about the donkeys. They've already found the donkeys. Um, also, I'm going to anoint you. Yeah. Also, heads up, don't tell anybody, but you're the future king of Israel. And he sends Saul back home. Saul goes back home and then he hears his father say, the donkeys have been found. Don't worry about the donkeys. We were all just worried about you. And that's the signal from Samuel that... All of the prophecy would become would come true, and that Saul would be the future king of Israel. And then, without a whole lot of ceremony, I guess. Yeah, Saul is just like crowned king. Um, mm-hmm. There's like this little scene where um, they like look for him and they can't find him. And then Samuel, like the Lord, tells Samuel, "Yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage." Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so then they get him out. He's taller than everyone, and they make him king. Yeah, Saul gets his first test pretty early in his reign. Yeah. Um, when the the Ammonite army invades a city called Jabesh, mm-hmm. so Saul rescues the city, but like makes a sacrifice at the wrong time or something. So Saul is not that great a king, <laughs> I think, is what the Bible is trying to tell us. Yes, and an example it gives besides when he didn't wait for Samuel was this uh, chapter where he's having a battle, I think, with the Moabites. Although, don't quote me on that. I'm not a Bible expert. Some Philistine is group. It, is it Philistines? I think so. Okay. So he's he's fighting the Phillies again, like everybody does. Just trying to make it to that World Series. Mm-hmm. Trying to win the pennant. Yeah. Um, just trying to put the ball trying in to the goal. Base that ball. Yeah. That's right. Sports fan number one and number two over here. Yeah. I'll let you figure out who's who. So during the battle that's not going well, Saul says, we need to get holy. Let's have all the soldiers fast for a day during this battle. And... um. His son, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. is not there when this happens because Jonathan has um, gone off with just his armor bearer. And Jonathan is a a good, like, captain, a good leader. He's, like, won battles and stuff. Um, And so they're, like, him and his armor bearer are just being, like, Legolas and Gimli and just doing things on their own. So they're they're off. (laughs) You can talk about Legolas and Gimli doing things on their own. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Read my fanfic. (laughs) Rate and review on iTunes. (laughs) Um, So... They're off doing their thing when he gives this order to fast. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Jonathan, he's out in the wild. He doesn't know that they're supposed to fast. He comes upon a, this is the second chapter in a row here where somebody comes upon some honeycomb on the ground. Yeah. And so, well, he comes back. He rejoins the main army. Mm. They find um, this area with a lot of bees in it and they, <laughs> there's honey. And I guess back then, you know, they didn't have like candy. They didn't have chocolate. They didn't have anything. Honey is the only... I mean, think how good honey must have tasted. Yeah, honey must have been top-notch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Jonathan just starts eating it, and all the other soldiers are like, dude, we're under strict orders to fast. Mm-hmm. We cannot be eating this honey. And Jonathan's like, oh, my dad's such a jerk. <laughs> so Saul said that he would, like, curse anyone who, who broke this fast. Yeah, and so he almost puts his own son to death over mm-hmm. this. But then he just backs away from it. Yeah, well... That's not very biblical. I think the other soldiers, like, point out that he wasn't there. He didn't take the oath. Uh-huh. Like, as we know, when you take an oath That's in God's point. name, you cannot no break backing. that. Okay, okay. But he didn't take an oath. Jonathan mm. didn't. 
So, but we have we have a little tension between Saul and his son Jonathan mm-hmm. because Jonathan's like, "You're not a cool dad." Well, Jonathan's also like, like hashtag no dad. Jonathan is also like a born and bred soldier, and he's like, "You're crazy to make your army fast during a battle." For yeah. example, do you know how fucking good I felt when I ate that honey? Like, <laughs> it says, compare that. It says my eyes brightened. <laughs> Did you see how my eyes brightened when I ate that honey? I was like Winnie the Pooh over here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to like forbid your soldiers from smacking up this energy? Yeah. King Eeyore over there is what it is. So that is just a, uh, it's a little, a little example of Saul potentially losing the reins here a little bit. I don't know. There's drama afoot. <laughs> a little foreshadowing so what's Saul's next assignment um well he you know they're they're constantly battling and uh Saul keeps like doing sacrifices wrong you know honestly the rules seem unnecessarily complicated um you know I would give I would give Saul the benefit of the doubt to be quite honest obviously he's doing the best he can um, and he's winning a lot of battles and everything. And it, th- there's peace in Israel, I guess. Peace. I don't know. Sort of. Yeah. But I guess basically what what his mistakes show mm. is that he is not trusting God. So, like, basically uh. God tells him, like, the battle's going to go like this. And then he's, like, halfway through the battle and it's not going the way he thought it would. And he gets scared. And so he, like, does a sacrifice. But even though he's doing the sacrifice correctly, I think... It shows that he didn't trust God's original plan, so it's bad, right. and he is in trouble. Yeah. So you're sort of on, on Saul's side here. Well, you know, I just, I don't understand what these fucking <laughs> rules are. <laughs> we can't even, like, keep straight what's going on chronologically. That's true. So I just, and I feel Lord, like... Lord help us if we would have to choose between, like, a guilt offering and a sin offering. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. I just, you know... I think the rules are unnecessarily complicated. You're setting him up for failure before he even begins. Mm. But, you know, whatever. I mean, he should do better. He's the king mm-hmm. of the country. You know, it's high standards. You got to be profesh. You got to bring your A game. And he is not. And because he's not, Samuel is given a new assignment by God. He's going to find a new king. God says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Yeah, he's like... He's like, you know what? Last time we just chose. We just went with the tallest guy. We found the handsomest, tallest guy we could. He was a head him, taller than everyone else. And made him king. Saul the tall. It was our first king. We didn't know any better. We were just like, who should we pick for king? Uh, let's pick the tallest, handsome guy. I mean, why wouldn't you? He looks very imposing. He so looks very powerful. They've tried that. And they're like, you know what? This time, let's not just pick him based on how tall and handsome he is. Let's pick... Uh, I don't know, somebody righteous, favored by God. Tim is like, are you sure? I was just going to go with this really tall guy over here. God's like, no. I've heard word of a man taller than Saul. So Samuel goes out and, you know, does recruiting like Dalai Lama style, you know, like showing the artifacts of the previous Dalai Lama to the the young kids to find his reincarnation. He does? No, not really. (laughs) But that's how I imagine it in my head. Oh, okay. That he's traveling clandestinely through the country looking for young men who are uh, favored by God. Which sounds really creepy when I say it like that. But regardless, <laughs> he finds this boy, David. Well, how does he find him? He finds David by calling out all of the houses of Israel. And he's like, everybody get together. I'm going to throw lots to find the new king. Yeah. And he uses those classy magic dice. Yes, the Urim and Thummim. Urim and Thummim. The left that... and right hand of, of fate. Yes. 
that go in the pockets on your blinged out priestly robes. On your breastplate of justice. Yeah. Um, or judgment, excuse me. God. Fucking. I'm sorry. God's going to smite you right now. Look what he did to Saul. Actually, Saul hangs in there for a good long time. So he does. So maybe he'll have a good run. Anyway, he throws these magic dice. He rolls them magic bones. And he was like, okay, everybody but the house of Benjamin can go. And then within the house of Benjamin, he's like, I'm going to choose which family that this new king will come yeah, from. Yeah, which clan. Mm-hmm. He chooses the least of the clans, mm-hmm. uh, whose name I don't remember. But I don't remember either because they were so least. <laughs> yeah, I've already forgotten. Who cares about them? From within that clan, he's like, all right. You have eight young sons or seven young sons and bring them before me. And he's like, chalks off the first six. And then he's like, where's your last son? He, he does by like process of elimination. So yeah. he's like, like the one son walks by and he's like, nope, it's not this guy. Like, I'll know when I see it. It's like porn. <laughs> too tall, too tall, too handsome. Yep. So they say, oh, we have one more, you know, shitty young son, but he's out tending the tending the herds. And then as soon as Samuel hears that, his wizened old ears perk up and he's like, that's the man. Bring that little shepherd boy in here. Mm -hmm. Bring that shepherd boy before me. And they do. And hurrah, it's David. That's right. And he anoints him, Mm -hmm. but he's not king yet. It's got to be kind of a secret from Saul. Yeah. Because Saul, as we established, is a GD human being, and he would be concerned if somebody was out there anointing a new king behind his back. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? Right. So Samuel basically engineers a scenario where David gets brought to Saul's court and... Because, oh, very interestingly, Saul is, must be epileptic. He must be epileptic? Yeah, that's my, that's my guess, based on the descriptions in the Bible. Oh my god, you're diagnosing him with epilepsy. He goes into fits. Okay. And the, the, there's, a, there's a, a long-running theme of, actually, of, of rulers being epileptic. In? In history. And in, in history? In history and in, in, it's in a, mythology. a real-life theme? Uh, yeah, it's a real-life trope. It's a theme of real life. Mm-hmm. Like Alexander the Great is, a, is the famous one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I'm aware of that. And then Napoleon wished he were epileptic. Napoleon wished he were epileptic? Like Alexander the Great. Oh, my God. Check your privilege, Napoleon. Well, he had gout. <laughs> That's basically the same thing. <laughs> what my Bible says is that he's being tormented by an evil spirit because he's turned away from God. Right. But the descriptions of it is like he goes into a fit and, you know, foams at the mouth and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not, I don't think mine went into that detail. It might not have said foams of the mouth, but this is the way I'm imagining. Okay. Okay. Just let me have my... Okay. Let me have my dreams. So King Saul has rabies. No, of course we know that symptomatic rabies has 100% mortality rate. Well, except for you know, the one girl. Yeah. But whatever. Go listen to Radio Lab if you want to hear about <laughs> epilepsy. Rabies. Rabies. Go listen to Radio Lab. <laughs> I'm Jad. Um... <laughs> And because of Saul's condition, he goes into these fits and he needs music to calm him down. Yeah. And David is not only a fine shepherd, he's, also a, a... he's a quick hand with that lyre. Yeah, he's uh, slapping, that, slapping that harp. Knows <laughs> how to slap with that harp. And so he becomes favored among all the servants at uh, King Saul's court and he becomes Saul's armor bearer. However, this is like possibly out of chronological order. Mm, I think so too. Or there are multiple versions of the story in this book. Yeah. Because it gets a little mishmashy. But before we get too deep into that and David's further history vis a vis the kingdom of Israel, <laughs> we got to listen to a little uh, harp music ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear some music and then we'll be right back. Okay, bye.
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the book of 1 Samuel. In specific, we are talking about King David, Mm -hmm. although he's not yet king, but he has been anointed by Samuel. Mm -hmm. So let's just dive right into a story that you've probably heard before called David and Goliath. (laughs) (laughs) So Philistines... I know this one. ...are always attacking... Philistines are back at it again. Yep. They send out this huge dude named Goliath to challenge an Israelite to one-on-one combat. Right. The Philistine... Or as I like to call it, fun-on-fun combat. <laughs> the Philistines say, if our champion beats your champion, you're our slaves and vice versa. Yeah. Goliath is either six and a half feet tall or ten feet tall, depending on who you Oh, mine says nine. So, okay, he's a really tall dude. He's even taller than Saul. Mm -hmm. And we know that Saul was quite tall. And David is just bringing food to his older brothers who are soldiers who are at this camp. But then he hears that whoever beats Goliath will get a huge monetary reward and the king's daughter in marriage. Um, And his older brother, who's like a proper soldier, is like, stop being so arrogant David's like, you know, I'm failing my look. Can I live? And decides to take on Goliath. That's right. His justification is awesome, by the way. The way he just the way he builds himself up here. And explains it to Saul, King mm-hmm. Saul. It's so cool. He's basically like, hey, I'm a shepherd and I'm favored by God. You know what shepherds have to deal with? Lions and bears. Yeah. You know how many lions and bears I've killed? He's a like, bunch. I've killed lions and bears with my bare hands since I was a little kid. <laughs> That's all I do. So this uncircumcised Philistine is nothing. <laughs> I'll kill him like I do the stupid lions or bears that yeah. threaten my herd. And they keep talking about how Goliath is uncircumcised. That's apparently means that he's a huge wimp. So, yeah. And then he's like, you know, and plus God is on my side and I trust him. Unlike certain people who keep making sacrifices at the wrong time. <laughs> so he's just going up against Goliath unarmed just with a slingshot and stones. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, I mean, the battle lasts like 10 seconds. Goliath rushes at him. He gets a stone into slingshot and hits Goliath in the head. Goliath falls. And then he goes and grabs Goliath's sword and cuts his head off. Yep. And the crowd goes wild. <sighs> and the Philistines are like, no, why didn't we just fight them with their armies instead? Um, and then they... Take Goliath's head back to Jerusalem uh-huh. and parade it around. Yeah. Put his armor in the museum. And then Saul's like, who is this guy? I got to have him in the palace with me. But like, I thought he already had him as his armor bearer. So maybe Yeah, it's, it's the chronology's a little messed up. Yeah, but whatever. So at this point, in any case, David joins Saul in the palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and he becomes BFFs with Saul's son, Jonathan, the one who ate the honey. BFF plus. Yeah. Um, it says, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And David also marries Saul's daughter, Michal, presumably as a beard type situation to cover up his relation with mm-hmm. Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, they're just different kinds of love, as the Greeks established. Okay, well, before we get any hate mail, <laughs> I'm not saying that foundational religious figure King David was gay. I'm saying that he was bisexual. <laughs> That's right. And I, I mean, to be fair, it actually, I think the book stresses more that Jonathan is way into David. Yes, that's true. And it says Michal is also into David. Um, and it never says that he loves Michal back. 
It also describes David as being very handsome. Well, you know, in the symposium, they say men don't really love women. They, men right, love I mean, men. why would they? Yeah, they marry women, but they love men. Yeah. Saul starts to get jealous of David because he's like, you know, my daughter loves you. My son loves you. Yeah, so Saul begins like a descent into paranoia, paranoia and like mismanagement sort of that was presaged by his earlier difficulties. And uh, everybody like comes up with a song about how Saul killed a thousand people, but David it's, killed 10,000. The song is only two lines long. This That's is apparently it. and this is apparently like. It rockets to the top of the charts in ancient Israel. Like, it is a hit. It's on every street corner. It's quoted, like, three or four different times huh? in this book. And it's like, oh, you mean King Saul from the song? Yeah. <laughs> the, the guy who like, only killed a 1,000 people? When David killed 10,000? Um, so Saul plots to kill David because he's so jealous mm -hmm. and paranoid. So Jonathan warns David, and he tries to talk his dad out of it. Um, and Saul, like, throws a spear at him. Well, Saul, Saul gets it, goes into one of his fits, oh. and David, as is his wont, comes in to play the liar. But Saul goes into a fit with a spear in his hand, you know, in one of those intentional, unintentional things. I see. And then in his fit, he hurls the spear at David. Um, but David escapes. And then, you know, like Saul has various plots to kill him, and then like Michal warns him and he escapes. And then like finally Jonathan warns him again. And he like he's going to escape for real. He's going to leave. The yeah, country. he goes on the run. And they so he shares a, a teary goodbye kiss with Jonathan. Well, Jonathan, it says, took great delight in David. Yeah, I mean he he loves him. He loves him as himself. Um, I there's like a lot of uh, sort of literary controversy about how to classify their relationship. Hmm. But regardless, he loves him. Mm -hmm. I mean that's yes that part's explicit. Absolutely. And they share a teary goodbye kiss. Mm -hmm. And then David flees to the city of Nob. That's just so, so like a movie, you know, like mm -hmm. David goes on the run. And the first place he ends up is the museum where they have the sword, the sword that he used to kill yeah. Goliath in Goliath's armor. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to this other city named Gath, where he uh, pretends to be insane so he won't be recognized. Mm -hmm. Total ripoff of Hamlet. So basically, the Bible is a huge ripoff. Just plagiarizing left and right um, from the future. So um, so David has a variety of crazy adventures while on the run. Yeah. Because of his experience in Nob, where the priesthood sheltered him. Yeah. Saul, Saul has those priests killed. Yeah. And he has a whole bunch of priests killed. And did you make a note of the fellow that Saul gets to be in charge of this sort of like campaign against the priesthood? He's a uh, Doeg from Edom. Yeah, aka Doeg. Doeg. Oh, he's like a uh, much murderer, very kill. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Doeg, Doeg the Edomite. <laughs> um. And so, and Saul is like, hey, I need somebody to kill a whole bunch of priests to prove a message. And he takes it to all his captains, and all his captains are like, absolutely not, we won't kill a bunch of priests. But then Doeg is there, and Doeg is just a shepherd or something. And Dog's like he's just a little sheep. Dog is just like little sheep in a big world. He's like raising his hand. He's like, "I'll kill whoever you, whoever you want, man." And Dog is the one who puts who gets put in charge of this massacre of priests, which does not enamor Saul to the people. Right, right. So then there's there's a couple more. Uh, David's in this city, and mm -hmm. then Saul finds out he's there, and he goes and puts. All, but David escapes the last moment. Yeah, he there's... bounces around from wilderness to wilderness. Yeah. He's got a crew of outlaws with him, um, and then. In Samuel 24, Saul is out looking for him and he stops to like pee in a cave. He does. And while he's peeing, 
David sneaks up and cuts off a corner of his robe without being noticed. I mean, I don't know, like, (laughs) I don't know how focused Saul was on peeing. It Mm -hmm. seems like it would be pretty difficult to pull this off, but... No, that's the point is that it's difficult to pull off. Yeah. And that David is like a master soldier already yeah. or whatever. Um, and so then once once Saul is leaving the cave, David pops out and he's like, yo, look, I could have killed you. Here's the corner of your robe that I cut off, but I didn't. I'm not doing anything to you. Can you stop trying to kill me? Mm-hmm. And Saul's like, you're right. I was being a dick. I'm sorry. It's just that I want to pass down my bloodline and... I want Jonathan to be king and not you. Even though David is already married to his daughter. That's right. So, like, he would be passing passing down his bloodline, except that they don't consider women to be full humans. Right. If they were just less misogynistic, we could have avoided this whole clusterfuck. True. A clusterfuck that was brought about in part by Samuel and and by God. And by God. <laughs> well, Who uh, <laughs> fucking chose Saul and then decided, eh. And it walked back on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, whoops. I picked a handsome guy instead of a smart guy. Um, And speaking of Samuel, Samuel also dies right here. He does. And that's just kind of, they just kind of gloss over that. They're just like, oh, yeah, also Samuel died. So Samuel's dead. Bye. <laughs> and uh, we're like, we're already on to David. David's like. He served his nation longly and. And sort of. Okay. okay. <laughs> Solid six out of ten. Um, yeah, he's like six out of ten fancy Babylonian robes or whatever. <laughs> and meanwhile, Saul gives David's first wife, Saul's daughter, Michal, uh-huh. to some other schmuck named Paltiel. Yeah. More like Paltriel. Because the guy sucks in comparison to David. (laughs) Everyone does, though. I mean, David's pretty much a Superman. That's true. He's a great soldier, great musician, man of God. Everybody loves him. He's super kind. Handsome. And redhead. (laughs) Um, And then, okay, so chapter 26. Chapter 26, I think, is a a repeat story of when Saul and David met, when Saul went to pee in a cave. And got his robe snipped, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. That's not a euphemism, No, but <laughs> surprisingly enough. This chapter tells a little story about a very similar encounter where, you know, David gets close to Saul without Saul knowing and then goes to him later and says, I was close enough to kill you. This time he, um, this time Saul's asleep. Yeah. And he takes the spear and water jug that were near his head and that's like his sign that he could have killed him. Yeah. Also, he like scolds the bodyguard. He's like... Dude, I got through you. Like, do better next time. Mm-hmm. I saw right through you. Yeah. And again, Saul apologizes. He's like, you're right. I was being a dick. I think it's the same thing. I mean, it might just be like repeating. It might be like emphasizing the point. Mm. But for the li- mm. for literary purposes, it only needs to happen once. And it's more effective if it does well, once. Well, sometimes it's more effective if it happens three times, literarily. Well, that's what I'm saying. But now it's happening twice. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> Look, this is the holy word of God. You're just some non-believing sort of dude. Some what? Some what? What were you going to say? <laughs> some, I, saw, I saw the invective on your... Some piece of human garbage. Mm. This is the word of God. Mm-hmm. And if God says that a spear and a water jug were stolen in addition to a robe being snipped while peeing in a cave, uh-huh. then that's what God wants. I understood. You're the nicest piece of human garbage I ever met. Oh, thank you, baby. 
Uh, I'm I have so a no- glad to be human garbage with you. <laughs> it's really my pleasure. Um, the only note I have for uh, 27 here is very confusing. What, what happens to 27? Oh, um, so like... <laughs> We don't have to go into it in any detail. Right, right. Well, Should we just, just leave it at that? <laughs> just basically Saul is like, you know, I'm sorry. Okay, uh-huh. I'll stop. I won't kill you. But David doesn't believe him. Right. So he um, just goes and hides out in Philistine land. Israel is kind of a kind of a dangerous part for him, even yeah. though after they came to this reconciliation. I'm kind of confused again by the timeline here because you would think the reconciliation would mean that David could come back to the to the palace or whatever and resume his work. But... They well, could, David they, doesn't believe him. That seems out of character for David, honestly. Why? Be- he's smart. He's smart, but he's seen like. The, but he, he's he seen like, him go back on this promise once before. That's. I, I guess that's true. But he like opened his heart to him and was like, "Hey, I want to let you know I didn't kill you when I had the chance, and there's no reason for us to hate each other." And Saul agrees wholeheartedly. Yeah, but he did that before, and then he went back on it. So this is why it's important that it happens twice. Mm, you think that's why? That's why it establishes that David has learned not to trust. David's heart has been broken. His heart has been hardened. His heart has been re... Re-uncircumcised? Re-uncircumcised. Uh-huh. There's a foreskin around his heart now. The intactivists have really uh, dug into it. <laughs> the intactivists got to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So when David goes off and become a, becomes a Philistine vassal and gets his own town to administer and everything like that, Saul... Saul's freaking out. Saul freaks out. He's like, my... Closest, closest advisor, my armor bearer, has gone to join this other nation. For no reason at all. <laughs> and what, is, what does Saul do? Well, he can't, can't get God on the horn. He keeps <laughs> trying to, like, call him up. But God won't answer because he's sick of his shit. Yep. Um, so Saul visits a, like a spiritual medium. Mm-hmm. And it's been established that Saul has wiped out all mediums. Yeah, he and- outlawed that. Because that's because God is against that. Right. But he goes to this one and she's called the Witch of Endor. Ripping off Star Wars now. Well, not only not only does it mention Endor, but when. But it describes her as being a small bear like creature (laughs) (laughs) that says yub nub. (laughs) No, but what does happen is he goes to her and says like. I need a prophecy. She's like, no, it's outlawed, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I'm the king. Just do it. And she does it. And what happens is the image of Samuel in in like a hazy image of Samuel mm-hmm. rises out of the ground and mm-hmm. gives him wisdom, which is exactly what the fucking Jedi do. Oh, shit. It could also be. So you know what I'm saying? It's a direct rip of Star Trek. Star Trek. It could also be um in Lord of the Rings, they have the, the Witch King of Angmar. Just throwing that in there as as another possible you just put that in the pot source. and see if it cooks yeah uh <laughs> that's not how that saying goes just put it in your pipe and see if it smokes <laughs> um we'll run it up the flagpole and see if it flies <laughs> so uh he calls up samuel uh-huh. and samuel rises up and he's like what the he's like why are you disturbing me yeah i'm dead and this is really interesting the because first sleep i've gotten in years because like it's again, it's kind of this idea that like, okay, we outlawed spiritual mediums because they're false and they're not, they're not calling on God's power. Not true. But it works. Yeah. Like they acknowledge that it works and that like there's other divine forces in play besides God, mm-hmm. uh, but we just don't want those. But yeah, so, so this witch 
summons up Samuel's spirit, and uh-huh. he's like, he, I mean, and then Samuel's basically like, well, you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. Yeah. There's no magic cure for the fact that you betrayed David. You and didn't now trust he, God. Yeah. You've been fucking up from the beginning. I don't know why God chose you. I, though I like to imagine Saul is like a great like administrative king. You know, like there's not a lot of corruption in his kingdom. Like all his judges are are good. The and, trains like, run on time. Trains run on time. The merchants are happy and whatever. It's just that like. Just when it comes to battle. Yeah. And when it comes to paranoia. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Can you be a good administrator if you're that paranoid? Because I feel like when you're paranoid, you constantly hoard information. You don't give people the information that they need to do their jobs. That's a good point. So maybe he's like, I'm not telling the scribes how much wheat we harvested because David might know. That's a good point. So while Saul is off visiting his medium, David is with the Philistines at his town. Um, In Achish's town. In Achish's town. And the Phillies are planning a big assault on Israel. They've got their best pitcher. He throws all the craziest spitballs. I know what baseball is. Shut up. So David is pissed, though, because he's been benched for the big, big fight. (laughs) Um, Because naturally, the other Philistine captains are like, there's no way we can bring this guy into this battle. He's killed a million of us. Yeah, he's he's conflicted. <laughs> he's killed tens of thousands of us. We heard the song. Mm-hmm. That They do say exactly that. They're like, this is the guy from the song yeah. where he killed 10,000 of us. Yeah. So he's a problematic fave for sure. Um, <laughs> so David gets brought to the front, front lines, but then get, gets benched. And the Philistines absolutely wipe the floor with the Israelites. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the important part of the story. The important part of the story and I put important in quotes here because David returns home to find his village was sacked yeah, by some local raiders. Um, he hunts down the looters. Some and... some Amalekites. Mm-hmm. So there's like lots of different sides in play here. You know, like they're like anti-Philistine and anti-Israelite. I also like the idea of the Philistine army like getting all together and just leaving town. And then as soon as the Philistine army leaves, everybody else from the region just like, okay, let's go sack yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> we know where their army is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like the city has been burned down David's Mm -hmm. two wives have been captured um, but they find this Egyptian slave Mm -hmm. who was abandoned because he was sick and like that part is like oddly realistic like that sounded like it really happened it is yeah Um, he's like yeah I got abandoned because I was sick but then I got better and he's like yeah here I'll show you where they are Uh so he brings them to the Amalekites they kill all the Amalekites, take all their stuff back. Meanwhile. In that big battle with the Philistines, Jonathan dies. And Saul's other sons die. Mm-hmm. And Saul is wounded. Saul kills himself. After he's wounded. Yeah. Well, he's wounded and he finds out that his sons have died. And so then he tells his armor bearer to kill him, but his armor bearer is like, no, I can't do it. So then he, so Saul falls on his own sword. And then the armor bearer is like, you know what? I'll do it too. Like, whatever. <laughs> Like, all the cool kids are doing it, and he falls on his sword. Uh, Obviously, the Philistines win this one. Some Israelites go fetch the bodies of Saul and his sons off of the wall where they're being displayed, and they, like, give them a proper funeral, and that's the end. Mm -hmm. That's the end of this book. Yeah. It's a real cliffhanger. Yeah. It's it's a real running man. It's, uh, It's a real last Boy Scout. These are 80s action movies. Oh. 
You can keep going? No, I thought you were going to help out. But oh, no, I, I was going to leave you hanging. Cliffhanging, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... That's the end of this book. Um, obviously, the narrative is a little interrupted just because we've only read the first of two Samuels. Yeah. Um, but it's time for that venerable tradition wherein we rate this book. Rate this book. Rate this book. Stop it. No. Um, rate this <laughs> So, So, Lauren, uh, quit your snapping and get the yapping. What do you think of this book? I think I'm going to give it four out of six snipped off robe corners. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's because it was it was full of plot. Uh-huh. Uh, everything kept moving. Mm-hmm. There's some really uh, fertile ground for fanfic here. True. True. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was uh, captivating. I mean, would you call it a nonstop thrill ride? I, you know, I was like, I would say that I was on my on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Um, but I do that... live my life on the edge, so that's not a huge surprise. Are you disappointed that you paid for the whole seat, but you only use the edge? Um, <laughs> no, I was I was fine with it. Okay. Um, I felt that it was what God wanted. I did feel a little, you know, I just felt a little bad for Saul because I felt like he was being set up for failure, and that's what a bad manager does. Hmm. And um, God may be not the best manager. I think there's plenty of evidence for that, that management is not his strong suit. Yeah. And the more micro he gets, the more it goes wrong, frankly. Yeah. He needs to to uh, delegate better. He does. And like not delegate it to really tall dudes <laughs> just because they're tall. And handsome, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this book? I am going to give this book 10 out of 12, which is a vendor. Oh, nice. Because for all the same reasons that you did, um, it was well-written. I thought the characters were surprisingly complex. Like you said, you felt bad for Saul. I think it's very interesting that there could there's a... A biblical story with enough nuance in it uh-huh. that you that you you can feel for the human plight of Saul while still being forced to like acknowledge the historical truths of his reign. Yeah. Vis vis a vis the fucking fourth V that I've said. <laughs> Why is it vis a vis? That doesn't make any sense. It's sure. French pronunciation rules, baby. Really? Yep. <sighs> Learn French already. Why don't you? But you can still see the like the historical elements of his downfall if if you know what i'm saying with in terms of his relationship with god like yeah it's interesting that they, that it could have both those threads coexisting mm-hmm. and that's what makes it an, an actually a rather nicely written little thing although the chronology is kind of screwed up at some points yeah that's true which makes it unnecessarily confusing um and david is so perfect <laughs> But, Whatever. He's like the prince of ancient Israel. I mean, the Prince Rogers Nelson, not like a prince. Uh, not like Prince Harry. No, he's the king of ancient Israel. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's on first? So that's why I give it a, a relatively high rating. Probably my highest rating so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think this was um, this was really one of the strongest books we've read so far. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, stuff for everyone. There's There's action. There's intrigue. Romance. Yeah. <laughs> tumors tumors golden tumors uh-huh. so that pretty much wraps it up um please tune in next week for the conclusion of samuels the conclusion of samuels there's only one samuel 
Well, there's second Samuel. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Hoisted by my own batard. <laughs> Did you say batard? Like a tasty piece of bread? Yeah. Hoisted by my own tasty roasted on Roasted bread. on my own batard. Roasted by my own batard. Anyway, we are punch drunk and not making any sense. So I think we're going to a... edit this out. We're going to delete this whole episode. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think that means it's time to say goodbye. So let's talk. A li- li- listener, you and I need to have a serious talk because we your mom to... and I are getting divorced. <laughs> That's right. Uh, because we need to talk about how much we love you and appreciate everything that you do. Specifically, sharing this show with other people. We don't spend any money on advertising or anything, uh, obviously. Because we're small beans in a big bean world. and we're small beans in a big bean pot. <laughs> so what you can do is if you have any like-minded crazy friends that might enjoy this particular pod, let them know. Send Two them a text. beans in a pod. <laughs> Christ. We haven't gotten to Christ yet. We're still on David. I'm trying to get through this and you're <laughs> fighting me at every step of the way. Yeah. So here's how you can help share the show. We are listed on the iTunes podcast directory. Are you okay? <laughs> I almost died. So if you want to go on there, rate it, give it a little, give it like <laughs> five out of five, which is a vendor. If you want to write a review, tell your friends about it. We're on Facebook, Sunday School Dropouts. You can follow us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. We have a website, sundayschooldropouts.lol. You can send us email at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That was very impressive, baby. Um, Keep I going. Also, okay, okay. Sorry. Uh, thank you to Elise Carlton for our beautiful logo. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Nico for all our music. You're welcome. And thank you to King David for being such a handsome, redheaded boy. Son of a bitch. And giving us so much material to work with. Thanks again to all of you. Uh, we love you very much. Um, we're all... But we are getting divorced. <laughs> Okay, we will see you next week on Sunday School Dropouts. See you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.